Papa Jeff's America program is on the air. Anytime, any device. PapaJeffUSA.com. You know that disagree doesn't mean dislike, right? No, really. It's OG time in Houston, Texas, around the country and around the world. Welcome to the Papa Jeff's America podcast, continuing the conversation one podcast at a time, a conversation about what's going on in America, a conversation about politics, government, world events, stuff and things. With differing points of view, we are all inclusive, everything from far right to far left and everything in between. Things that you want to talk about with commentary, exhilarating guests, and what would a day be without Papa Jeff's classic old guy humor, right? So with one sort of kind of good eye, a very, some would say, unique sense of humor, and definitely a face for radio, here's Mr. Here We Go himself, the G-Man, PG the OG, Papa Jeff. The Papa Jeff's America program powered by OG Radio. We're the internet podcast that talks about the things that you, America, want to talk about. I'm the G-Man here with you, PG the OG, Papa Jeff. It's time to continue the conversation. OG Radio downtown Houston weather, high today of 86 with an overnight low of 72. Right now at the airports, Houston Hobby is 86, Bush Intercontinental is 85, and at the OG Radio studios in Space City, H-Town, the city with no limits, Houston, Texas, It's a partly cloudy 86 degrees. Today is the third in a series of weekly conversations with Andrew Wellborn from Northern California. He's been on the Papa Jeff's America program before and is an expert when it comes to the political infosphere. Andrew is the host of the 503 Report, a weekly politically-based talk show heard in Northern California and nationwide. A great conversation is in store for today, and you'll want to join us every Thursday all the way through this presidential election for the latest conversation of what's happening. Always a great time when Texas and California get together. The Papa Jeff's America program, continuing the conversation one podcast at a time. The 503 reports Andrew Wellborn when we come back. There is only one America. No Democratic rivers. No Republican mountains. Just this great land and all that's possible on it with a fresh start. Cures we can find. Futures we can shape. Work to reward. Dignity to protect. There is so much we can do if we choose to take on problems and not each other. And choose a president who brings out our best. Joe Biden doesn't need everyone in this country to always agree. Just to agree, we all love this country. And go from there. I'm Joe Biden, and I approve this message. Andrew Wellborn is with us from Northern California. You guys know Andrew. This is week three of our ongoing series uh, running all the way through the election that's coming up. And Andrew, as you know, is the host of the 503 Report, heard in Northern California and across the nation. 
CRDailyNews.com. Um, almost forgot. Almost said 503 report. Almost, almost, I almost got us messed up in the in in just in the beginning, my friend. That's not good. Good morning, Andrew. How you doing? Good morning, Papa Jeff. I'm the OG. Always great to be here, man. Having fun over the last couple of weeks. And, um, you know, as we're getting ready to wrap up this election season, looking forward to the, I think we've got maybe two more opportunities to have this conversation prior to the election. And, you know, looking forward to maximize as much as we can to have this conversation. Awesome. Awesome. I know that, uh, uh, the folks in my normal audience, well, <laughs> as normal as my audience gets, uh, are enjoying uh, hearing our conversation, and I, I'm hearing that your folks are enjoying it as well, so that's good. That's good. Yep, we've got a few more opportunities. We've got um, a debate uh, with our gentleman tomorrow night. Um, uh, my wife and I, we went and voted here in Texas yesterday, so we've got that that all done and out of the way we use the drive-through voting uh feature uh which is still uh it's it's going to end up i think it's actually on its way to the uh texas supreme court to uh see what's going to happen there uh but it was very smooth um we voted over in uh the uh, neighboring community of umble at the civic center area very organized the whole process after you go through and around the cones because it's set up to handle m many more people than were there. Uh, but it was very smooth and didn't have to get out of the car and showed ID. They made sure of who we were and got that all done and posted the, the super duper selfie on Facebook and um, it was good. And um, from what I understand, over 25% of uh, the population in Texas has uh, early voted so far. So Texas is very engaged of, uh, of what's going on. We obviously are, um, and this is me speaking personally, um, Texas, we don't know where it's going to go. You would know more of this than I would because um, you follow the numbers and understand the numbers more than I do. Um, we're hoping uh, to flip Texas presidentially blue, whether that's going to happen or not. But more than that, folks are focused. Of course, I live in a, in a blue county, um, but folks are focused on uh, obviously flipping the Senate uh, blue. Uh, but we'll, we'll have to see where that goes. Uh, Mr. John Cornyn is, uh, Senator John Cornyn is, not faring well from what we're hearing here. And um, I, I wouldn't say that uh, MJ Hagar is in his rearview mirror. Um, I think that he's in her rearview mirror and she's a, she's a badass. And so we'll kind of have to see where that goes. Some 24 hour polling locations are going to be open next week uh, here in the Houston area, which I think is really cool. And I had never heard of that. Um, but I think the last time we talked, I also um, with the drive-through voting was kind of a, was a new thing here. And I talked to a friend of mine who's in Washington state and he does a, uh, a daily radio show up there as well as a podcast. And, um, he's going to be on soon. We're working on working a, a time into his 16 hour a day schedule. You, you know about that. And, um, they, they also have the drive-through voting, uh, in their County anyway, or, uh, in addition. So a lot of, a lot of new things are coming. So, COVID deaths are up. Um, my numbers that I saw today, 222-221. So um, just shy of uh, 223,000. So anyway, what's going on on your end, my friend? What's happening? Oh, man, we're doing great. 
great. You gave as as usual. You make this easy, by the way, Papa G on the OG. You make it very <laughs> easy as a guest to come on, um, laying out the um, format of what give us some good talking points, how to talk about it. It is interesting in Texas, especially being out here in Northern California, watching Texas, watching Florida. Um, I don't watching Nevada. Nevada is what I find more, a little more interesting than Texas at this point. Um, Florida, I don't think is going to be at the level of play. Um, North Carolina, I don't think is going to be at the level of play at this point. Um, uh, Texas, I really don't think is going to be in, in the playing field for blueness. And we'll build on that a little bit. I'll explain why. And I think I've briefly gone over it very quickly on past shows, but from now on the outside looking at, but I do find Nevada probably a little more interesting <clears throat> than I do some of the other states that are, are in swing, I guess is the best way of putting it. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing the enthusiasm in Nevada that wasn't there perhaps uh, four years ago amongst, I don't know if we can call them Republican voters, party voters, I'm really not sure how we can call this conservative movement across America. I don't think that it's really identified on a party basis, Papa Jeff, as much as the individual. So the enthusiasm amongst Republican voters or maybe even crossover conservative middle class Democrat voters has to do with the candidate more so than the party, I believe. And then, of course, as you know, as political scientists, it's not until after the election that we get to go back and take a look and monitor the data, the data and apply it to a model for future. But on the scientific side, I find it very interesting that a lot of the big media companies across America do not really want to call it. Now, I'm, a, I'm not a big believer in national averages when it comes to the polling. And we've already laid out the foundation of my background with polling, how I feel about polling and the importance of polling and the once upon time scientific accuracy of non-interfered data that's applied in polling that makes polling somewhat close. But how it's being misconstrued today is something that I've kind of complained about a little bit on Mm -hmm. last week's show or the prior weeks. So we have to be very careful on the polling system. I've never been a big fan of national averages because the national averages is going to show more than likely a Democrat candidate today, any election, probably with a slight lead. And it has to do with basically the populated states on the West Coast and the Atlantic seaboard. So if you don't have the right sampling when it comes to state by state, it can be skewed. So that's why we look at the state by state polling. And there are certain go-to polls that we'll look at when it comes to individual states. For instance, in the state of California, the Public Policy of Institute of California is one that we go to in various states. So when it comes to the polling, I find it very interesting that while big media is touting the fact that people are voting early and people are voting at more convenient locations, what we don't know, Papa Jeff, is what percentage of that vote is a normal vote base that comes out every election. We won't know that until after the election. Mm -hmm. So I understand the propaganda and the marketing that comes with messaging of trying to indicate that that people are motivated. And you mentioned that in the state of Texas. And 
when it comes to the 25% of the population already voting. But my question is, is going to be, um, how much is that a normal population? And how does that equate to how many people are going to show up to the poll on election day? Mm-hmm. And we won't know. Honestly, that's what makes this a little bit fascinating for guys like me is watching the new trends being set and it's going to create a new model. So, you know, when we talk about the state of Texas going blue, I think that the state of Texas is going to be a little tougher than everybody thinks. And I think that the model, the state, as far as I'm concerned, you know, keep Beto O'Rourke on the screens, national media, keep Beto going. (laughs) Because it wasn't until last minute surge scientifically that Texans showed up to vote and said, oh no, screw this guy. And, you know, that's what happens sometimes, you know, early voting versus, you know, and, and to use the model against Senator Ted Cruz, I've already explained that to you, it's a whole different ball game than the current senator. So we're not really sure that, 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 that Senator Ted Cruz is what I believe to be an unpopular senator in the state of Texas versus the current senator. I don't think that Texans can use the model of Beto O'Rourke in today's current race. So we have to be careful about getting excited, thinking that Texas is going to be in play. And, you know, with that being said, um, yeah, uh, that information is yet to be tallied. And I'm looking forward to that information being tallied uh, after the election. And, of course, you know, we never know until once an election is called. Exactly. It's um... – I, I, Ted Cruz, I, I don't know about the Ted Cruz beard. I don't know where that's going. I did like the Texas mask that he had on the other day. I want to get me one of those. That was, that, that was, uh, that was amazing looking. Um, but I, 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 you're right. It, it, everybody's an armchair quarterback uh, at this point, and there's always those that are after the, well, you know, I called that and I knew that. No, no, <laughs> no, you didn't. And the, you're right. The the model it, it's a brand new model that's coming out because this is um, one of the the talking points uh, or taglines that's out there is you know uh, vote like your life depends on it because it does and so we'll see. Um, I don't know. I, I know that uh, well, well, Mr. you made yeah. an extra. You made a great point there, real quick. Before we move on to the topic that you want to go down, I called it syndrome. Guess what? that the I called it syndrome doesn't work because there's just too much media and, and and digital record to show that individuals, let's put this way, Fox news. There's a lot of careers that ended on Fox news by trying to call it Mm -hmm. Uh, all the way from Barack Obama to Dick Morris calling a landslide against Barack Obama all the way to Monica Crowley on Fox and all these individuals um, a lot of people have left the media market because they had it wrong. And you got to be careful about that. You know, we're proud. We called it. And we have the digital record to say, you know, what had to happen for President Trump to win, to win. And I always refer to it as the fool's gold polling of Wisconsin and, and um, Pennsylvania. And I've already explained that on past shows where mm-hmm. people who are registered to vote just traditionally don't show up to vote, but they did show up to vote during that election. And the trend is going to be whether or not uh, that will continue. But as far as I call it syndrome now, I mean, there's, not, there's, there's hardly, hardly anybody called it with President Donald Trump. Um, we accurately on the 503 report called what happened to happen 
in order for him to win. And that's the case. But you're right. I mean, this isn't going to be a serious election. This is a big election. Um, whether it be voting for your life, as you put it, uh, you heard me discuss the faith vote, voting your faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you believe is going to be what's going to motivate people. And the question is, is who's going to believe the strongest in whatever the issue that's going to motivate you to be part of the political army to support your candidate out there in the political battlefields going to the ballots boxes? And, you know, you mentioned that you voted early already. It's, it's a good thing. I, I, it's, hopefully we don't see the ballot boxes in Texas burning like we do out here in California. People set fires to you know, the ballot boxes in Republican districts out here. I don't know if you saw that. I, I this is not. how extreme and crazy we're getting. Yeah, I mean, we've got video postings of, of ballot boxes now being burned. People are stuffing newspapers on fire into these ballot boxes, these drop-off boxes, and which gives weight to the problem that everybody talks about. I mean, you know me, and I've said it, I'm, I'm a big believer in making it as easy as possible easy as possible for somebody to vote, but just to leave a ballot box unattended for your ability to vote, I I just don't know if that's a great idea because of the examples we're starting to see out here in Republican districts in the state of California. Yeah, that's... um... I mean, fortunately, it it doesn't matter in California, but California is blue, period. That's all there is to it. But it could be more detrimental, should we say, to other states if they're not monitoring this process. True, true. Somebody mentioned to me yesterday that about undecided voters, that they didn't think that there are really any undecided voters at this point. They're just, as, as regards to a candidate, that they've already made up their mind who their candidate is going to be, but that they just haven't decided whether to vote or not. What, what do you think about that? Do you think there is truly still undecided voters? Yeah, that, that, that's, that's a great point right there. I think, I think you know, that, that's a wonderful point. I'm going to use that point. Um, I'm going to further that discussion, develop that point later on this week. But that's an excellent point. Undecided voters versus undecided to vote. Uh, whether or not somebody wants to go wait in line, or take the time to drive across town to drop off or to mail. That, that I think, is going to be in play. Uh, individuals, I, I, think, I think whoever made that comment may be correct, because I don't think that there are too many undecided voters. And really, it comes down to you know, what I believe to be uh, a persona versus policy at this point. In other words, I think anybody classified or categorized as an undecided voter falls in the category, well, I just don't like the president, but I'm concerned about Joe Biden's policies. Oh, yeah. I refer to it as the PU vote. You know, PU. You know, <laughs> both candidates think I don't like both candidates. Whew, they're horrible. But whether or not I'm going to vote one over the other, if I vote at all. And it was the PU vote that actually probably um, launched President Donald Trump into the presidency where people just didn't like Hillary Clinton as much. Mm -hmm. So it's not going to be a case, I think, whether or not people like or or sympathetic, empathetic to Joe Biden. It's his PU towards the policies. 
mm-hmm. and versus the PU towards uh, President Trump's personality. And I think that that's going to be a determining factor as far as whether they decide to vote one way or the other or not vote. So I think it's a good point. Well, and we can we, we can give credit to my lovely wife, Monica, because she's the one that, that uh, had that opinion. And um, I, of course, I, of course, agreed. <laughs> but no, I, I, I think that's true. You know, people, uh, there's a lot of people voting uh, that, that we've talked to uh, this year that, yeah, well, it doesn't matter. And, and, and they are voting and the registration rolls are growing. And, um, and I agree with you with the, the PU vote. Um, I, I, I completely agree. Well, is it, it or the lesser of the evils or, or yeah, it's, um, what, what are people going to do? And, and Hillary definitely had that against her, uh, at, at that time. They, they weren't a fan of Trump, but they were less a fan of hers. And so, and so there you go. But now, you know, um, Joe is, is up against this, uh, uh, some are saying Russian influence with Rudy and the the alleged uh, Hunter Biden computers and the blind guy in Delaware that's the computer guy and I, oh my goodness and it it, it kind of seems like it and I know I'm getting into a whole bunch of different talking points here and I'm not trying to get you off of off of where you were planning to go but it sure seems like we're seeing you know like like Mr Comey came in kind of at the end and no we're we're going to put this investigation back in play, even though we weren't going to have it in play. And that kind of sent, you know, on a downward trend for, for Hillary. Uh, you know, now, now it almost seems like we've got the 2016 playbook coming back. What, what do you think there? Well, if you got a good playbook, stick with it. I mean, that's political one-on-one. Yeah. But, you know, the difference yeah, this this is this is what's important about playbooks. Yeah, the playbook needs to be about the truth. You know, not not anything but the truth. And truth sucks, as I say sometimes, all the time on my program. Yeah. And you know, truth is hard to handle sometimes for people. And I'll also go down the old cliche of if it's true, then it's not racist, it's not biased, it's not xenophobic, it's not this, it's not that, you know, it's nothing but the truth. And we can't be scared of the truth. And a lot of times we have difficulty with the truth. Now, when it comes to family members, as you know, I, I'm, I'm really not, I, look, we're, we're looking to vote for a president. We're not looking to vote for a first lady or a first husband. We're not looking f- to vote for first family. We're looking to vote for a president. Right. And the question is, is who we want for president. And so I, I, I really try to stay out of family issues because of that. Um, I call it the Billy Carter syndrome. Remember that, right? The I Billy do. Carter syndrome. <laughs> Good mm-hmm. gracious. So um, for the younger voters, we're talking about former president Jimmy Carter's brother that was always in the news in an embarrassment way for the president while he was in office. Um, you know, when it comes to Hunter Biden in, in the, in the emails and stuff, I'll say it. I, I think that all sides have utilized these areas, Ukraine, these, these deep oil rich 
um, non-NATO members, meaning that they are non-NATO, but they're non-Soviet. They're just out there, not on anybody's radar. Uh, I, I would think that Republicans have done it too, as far as you know, family members or associates um, being put into these positions uh, in some capacity in a non-qualifying basis as much as a influential basis. It's just that these countries now with today's days, uh, uh, today's age of technology are not quite so hidden anymore. And so I think that Hunter Biden is probably the first of a long list that just blipped the, the proverbial modern day techno, technology radar as a result of it. And when you see the images, it's, it, to me, it's sad more so than, than it, it, it's, it's sad to see the demise of a, of a human being like that, um, especially an individual that's been in a position of privilege. And it's common, you know, Papa Jeff, for individuals being in positions of privilege and opportunity to be self-destructive, not to go down the road of psychology and years of working in prison and working with uh, psychologists. But it's very common for individuals who got the world, you know, in, their, in the whole world at their feet, to step on it a little bit and, mm -hmm. and screw up in life. But, you know, we could get into how the emails came into play. But the problem with the emails is that no matter what, no matter what our position is, the emails, once they are verified and validated, and it sounds like they're being verified and validated as being, you know, real, it hurts the president, vice president, should we say, on the fact of truth and trust. And that is a hard core campaign one-on-one -on -one basic message. It hurts the candidate on trust. Um, I was caught off guard a little bit during the first presidential debate when Joe Biden mentioned his son's drug addiction and recovery. Mm -hmm. That came out of the blue. I don't think most people realized that his son was, you know, under those conditions. And looking back on it, it kind of indicates to me a little bit that Joe Biden was expecting this to come out a little bit and that that was a feeble attempt to get ahead of the game. And, but no matter how we look at it, the emails, no matter what, I, I don't want to get into the question of legality, illegality. It just comes down to credibility of transparency. And I hate using that word because that word is used so cliche these days. Transparency, transparency, transparency. But it shows that no matter what on this issue, that the vice president has been lying. And because of that, it shows the vulnerability of, of, of being leveraged. And that's when this information comes into play. So, you know, like I said, we'll let everybody determine how they feel about, however they feel about the emails, their positions. But it does show possibly corrupt behavior. Um, I'm not really sure that there's anything illegal back to action. Just like when President Bill Clinton uh, had the affair with Monica Lewinsky, the big issue was is they lied about it. 
Bill Clinton would have came out and said, yeah, yeah, and gave a very descriptive, this is what happened, but it's between me and my wife. I think he would have been okay. I mean, he would have never been impeached. Um, he was impeached because he lied about it and got caught lying under oath about right. it. Right. Throw yourself on the and mercy of the court so, and just let's move on. Yeah. 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 And, you know, Hunter Biden, I mean, it's just too much conflict and it's creating the problem, I think, for Joe Biden. I think that's going to be maybe a factor of the PU voters. Um, well, I don't like his policies and now he's a liar. I don't like President Donald Trump's persona, but his policies work better for me. And let's face it, man, you know, when you've got the gangster rappers coming out, when you got the gangster rappers coming out, in supporting President Donald Trump, and you got 50 Cent coming out and saying, under Biden's plan, I'm only gonna be worth 20 cent. You've lost your bleeping mind. I'm supporting Trump. And you got rappers like Ice Cube, you know, you're talking about screw the police, screw the police, Ice yeah. Cube from NWA Day coming out and supporting President Donald Trump, led by, you know, Kanye West. You can say whatever you want to about Kanye West. He was the one that jumped out first. When you have three very significant hip-hop rappers and founders of hip-hop coming out in favor of President Donald Trump, you've, uh, you've made some mistakes within the Democrat Party. And I think that's more of a bigger telling message amongst, amongst black male voters um, than, for instance, the emails with the undecideds. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I you know, I, I saw the interview last week uh, on CNN with Chris Cuomo and Ice Cube, and it was good. Um, and Kanye, don't follow Kanye too much, uh, but yeah, he was, uh, you know, in the in the Red Hat camp, if you will, uh, there in the beginning. And I think he's actually actually on the ballot in several states. Um, yeah, he's actually. He's out here on California. Yeah, he's on the ballot in California. We're laughing a little bit, you know, when it came to it. But he's on California. Kanye West, if you recall, back when Katrina hit and they were doing the fundraiser, he was the one that said, President Bush don't like black people. That was his. And then he had, what's his name, um, looked at him and said, okay, all right. The guy, uh, I forget the actor's name, from Wayne's World, Saturday Night Live. Oh, but yeah, yeah Kanye West made national just blooded, blunted out that President George W. Bush don't like black people. Yeah. And that's why 50 Cent came back. Well, I don't care if he likes black people or not. I'm voting for him because I don't want to be worth 20 cents under this economic tax plan. So once again, policy versus persona mm -hmm. is going to be the factor. And, and your lovely wife's uh, very accurate political analysis. I think it's, it's getting, and of course, the, the media is – playing this up, although Mr. Trump is putting it in play, is the, the AG bar issue um, or trying to, to, to make an issue is that, you know, even as, as late as in Erie, Pennsylvania last night, you know, he, he wants Barr to investigate slash indict uh, the Bidens. Um, and it, it's, frightening some that it's part of the i'll use we're wearing this term out this season certainly the 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 playbook it it's it seems to be mimicking the autocratic playbook that i mean 
when Mr. Putin wants to take out his rivals, he just has them arrested and they disappear. Um, or, you know, as evidenced by the, the one gentleman who I uh, was watching, um, and I think it was 60 Minutes, the, the gentleman that was his competitor who was uh, now verified that he was poisoned with the nerve agent and plans to return to uh, Moscow and to compete and to continue to call out uh, uh, Putin. And so, I don't know. I, Trump is going to do, I mean, let Trump be Trump. That's what it always was. But I, I, I don't know if that's helping him or hurting him. I, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's going to the, it's going to be the PU vote because I think that uh, uh, people, I think most people have, have made up their mind um, of, of who the candidate is. I, I think so. And I, if I was worth 50 cent, I wouldn't want to be worth 20 cent either, you know. Yeah. You know, partisan Republicans, and I mentioned this earlier on the broadcast, um, this is the misconception, I think. Partisan establishment Republicans don't want President Trump in office. Um, members of the Senate do not want. President Donald Trump has done a lot. And if anything, hopefully your listeners can absorb this. No matter what, if you take your partisan hat off, President Donald Trump has done a remarkable job for this country, and he has gone against everything that controls this country, and he's actually the president that we must have all the time in the White House. In the White House, when it comes to you know not being controlled by the interest, and so. The political interest that controls both parties, Republican and Democrat, uh, do not want this man in office. And that's what's obvious. And we do have a, a classic case. I, I think it's a first time case. I don't even think we can say classic case anymore to where the interest of, of, of I guess, big business on both sides is going up against the interest of the people. And that's what Donald Trump represents. I've never seen, I'm sure, I'm sure you see it all, all the time down in, even in, in, in that leftist corner of Houston. Um, look, Donald Trump signs and flags are on trucks flying. I, oh, we've yeah. never seen a president ever in the history with, with, with flags flying off the back of trucks or off of boats. Um, on personal flag polls. I've never seen the brand Trump within a presidential election like we've seen. And that's because the people believe in him. And I agree with the belief of the people more so than the party. Even partisan Democrats, as long as you believe in the individual rather than the Democrats. So, you know, when I, when I support President Donald Trump as a somewhat partisan uh, Republican operative in the past. I'm, I'm supporting him as, a, as, as an individual that's not part of the operational control. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's an exciting election, but there's so much on the line. And really, um, I think the interest of the people is truly, truly, whether we believe it or not, under the agenda of, of President Donald Trump more so than the agenda of potentially President Joe Biden. And that's a good thing for America. And that's what's really, I think, historically, we're going to look back. And I think 
should President Donald Trump win this reelection? I think a lot of historians, Papa Jeff, are going to to phrase a lot of things that we've been discussing over the last couple of weeks as part of the historical movement of America. And so we'll be able to say, we said it first. There you go. I think you're right. I think we're going to see some, um, I think we're going to see some big changes uh, in, in what's going to happen. Maybe not um, in the presidency. I, I really don't know the things that make you love Donald hate uh, Donald hate Donald Trump, uh, if you will, are the same things that make you dislike him. Uh, he, he's not part of the political machine. Absolutely true, and that's what makes him uh, a positive. And yet, when he does some of the things that he does, although well-meaning, it's like, wait a minute, you you, you can't do that, and it, it's some of the things just go so against what would be the political norm or maybe not intending to be against what the constitution says. I mean, he, he talks, we know he talks and he can't stop talking. Um, I know about that. And he, you know, he'll just go on and well, you know, we'll, we'll four more years and well, maybe it should be 12 more years and we'll, we'll see. And then we'll, we'll, we'll negotiate. No, no, you're not going to negotiate anything. It's in the constitution. And did he mean anything by that? I think he just talks and he gets going. He told Erie last night that, you know, he didn't really want to come there, which is really a great thing to say. But I think people are saying, eh, that's just Trump. So we'll, We'll, we'll have to see. I, I wasn't very pleased to hear that, that Melania was still at least ill enough to where she didn't want to go with him. Um, certainly she was not hospitalized as he was and, you know, got all of the, the therapies that he got and, and he's back out there. And, and I think that's great. You know, I, you know, you and you and I've talked about masks and such and, and, you know, the, the kind of scary part, again, I'm going down another road and trying not to is that, if he told people that they should put on the masks, then they would. And I know that, that you're not a fan because you're tested regularly, but obviously not everybody is. And, you know, now Fauci's coming back into it where, the, you know, the, let, let's turn everything against Dr. Fauci. And, oh, my gosh, well, he's got a financial stake in such and such. Who cares? You know, there's just so many, so wow. many sidesteps at, at where this wow. could go. People, truth is, who cares, Papa G? You know, if it's truth, then, you know, I mean, once again, who's controlling who? Who's the puppet master of, of America at this point? Mm -hmm. You know, you mentioned, you know, how the president talks. One of the great things that President Donald Trump does, and this is why his rallies are so successful, we watch them every night because we know it's kind of like going to a concert. We know how the songs are going to be played. And then we're looking maybe how they perform it live and what they do differently in the live show versus if you were just listening to the songs on the radio, which gets the crowd pumped up. Sure. Now, having said that, what President Donald Trump is great at is recognizing by the time he arrives that people have been waiting a long time. And he gives them the full monte when it comes to the weight. And people pretty much know what he's going to say. But what people love and they're waiting for is when he goes off script. 
in every rally that I watch, I'm listening for something different. And he delivers every time something different that mm -hmm. you're wanting to hear or you find this outstanding. And the president is on fire right now. The rallies are on fire. That momentum is there. The people are showing up, um, which is why I mentioned Nevada, because he's done two rallies in Nevada. He just did one in Carson City um, last, I think it was Sunday, this past Sunday. And people are lining up. And when it comes to the Constitution and things like that, some of the things that the president says, uh, look, it's just some of the things that a lot of people believe that's going to motivate them to vote. And when he mentioned, um, I didn't want to come here, followers of Donald Trump know that statement. And that's why he gives uh, the, the, the credit to the RNC chairwoman, because he hounded him to come to Michigan, come to Michigan. And so most people understand the story, well, I didn't want to come here. I didn't want to come here, but I'm here. You know, that's the proverbial dog whistle to individuals within certain areas that on a, on a professional side, now, now I'm putting my professional hat, that tells me that the consultants and the strategists realize by coming here that could offset any potential uptick and vote over here so that you can retain the state. Mm -hmm. So when he makes that statement, I, I love it when the media goes crazy about that because for Trump supporters, they hear that as being a motivating factor um, to show up to vote because they realize now that that area could be the deciding factor in determining his reelection. That motivates people. That makes it personal. I mean, not personal in an offensive way, but that, that gives personal reason for people. Hey, our community, we, could, we decided the outcome of the presidential election by showing up to vote. So that's the proverbial professional dog whistle out there to supporters. And when the president shows up for these rallies, the president will give you a two-hour show. He'll, he, he stays longer than I have ever seen a president stay in rallies. And believe you me, I've been to rallies. Uh, I did two out here in the state of California. One was kind of like a big rally with President George W. Bush. And then one was a personal, more intimate with 200 supporters with the former Congressman John Doolittle um, out here in the state of California. Um, you know, it's an all-day process to get in to see the president. Mm -hmm. It's not like an all-day process trying to get into a concert. It's an all-day process of wait, security, wait, wait, wait. And to his credit, he respects that and understands that. And that's why he gives the appearance where people go, oh, he's just babbling, babbling, babbling. Well, you can say he's babbling, babbling, babbling to that crowd that's cheering. They're not hearing babbling. They're hearing, all right, this is what I need. This is what I want to hear. And this is going to make me vote. And that's the biggest mistake I think that um, big media is making is not realizing that that proverbial dog whistle is, is, is a rally call to encourage people and it will encourage people and that those areas you know, could offset. And when we see what's going on in the state of Nevada, as I mentioned on the very beginning of the show, I'm seeing the enthusiasm. And I think Nevada is really, really in play. I think Nevada, I think the Democrats are making a mistake thinking that Nevada is a swing state. We're going we're to see. 
we're going to have to wait and see. And, and I think that Sisolak out here in the state of Nevada and the Democrat legislature uh, could be under siege a little bit. If Sisolak, I think, if, he, if, if Governor Sisolak in Nevada was up for re-election right now, I think he would be in deep trouble. And I think Sisolak knows that. That's why he's kind of backed off on a lot of things. Um, because the Trump supporters are rallying. And so Republican voters in the state of Nevada who probably did not show up to vote in 2016, I think you're going to see that. And I think most political analysis in the state of Nevada, talking to the experts who follow Nevada, you know, my counterparts in the state of Nevada, every one of them will say the biggest drop-off they ever saw in Republican voting on the last election cycle was in Washoe County. Mm-hmm. It wasn't necessarily the influx of California voters coming into Nevada as much as it was a drop-off. And Washoe County was the, was the driving point. Um, you can lose Clark County, Nevada, as you know, the Las Vegas area, and win the rest of the state, and the state would be red. But you can't lose Clark County, Nevada, and Washoe County, Nevada. And that's what happened. And that's what happened in 2016. And that's what happened with um, other races. So I, I really, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at Nevada a little closer than most people are. And I think the president's advisors are looking at it a little closer, which is why he's coming out here. He's been out here twice already um, with very, very successful rallies. And yeah, once again, it's just the proverbial question of who shows up to vote and what is the motivating issue for that individual to show up to vote? And I know that sounds very, very silly, but that's how the elections are decided, my friend. No, I think you're absolutely right. The, we know he's going to be going back to Pennsylvania. He's going to have to hammer Pennsylvania really hard. Um, what he's going to do in Texas, if he's going to be back, don't know. But there's a lot of electoral votes here in Texas that we know he wants. And and although the campaign may be saying, well, you know, we're pretty much locked in that it's, it's going to stay a red state. Who knows? And I agree with you. The, the Nevada thing, having voted in Nevada in 16, and as uh, most everybody knows, I voted for Trump in 16 and have since changed uh, some views. Uh, not every view, certainly. Um, and Mr. Biden would not have been my first choice uh here but and again i'm i'm not i'm not part of the pu vote but i i also have um i i i just can't i just can't go with trump this time and um you know i i and i have friends like you on the other side of the aisle and and we agree to disagree on some things and we still continue the conversation just like we are right now and and that's I, I know you were saying earlier off air, and, and I completely agree there as well. I, I, I love having this conversation that we can agree to disagree and move on. And I'm in, in Texas, you're in California, but we can still have that virtual beer, you know. And, and one of these days, uh, perhaps when you're, uh, you know, on your way to Nashville or something, you know, and this, this whatever, we got to do the COVID thing, when that goes away, we're going to be able, well, we're definitely going to be able to do that. And, and a Whataburger, we talked about that. We, we, we got to do that mm-hmm. too. You know, it's, it's kind of funny. Um, yeah, everything kind of changes for me at the end of this year. And one of the things that 
I'm looking forward to is, is spending a little more time back home in Texas. And, you know, I mean, in, in my field, not just my, my soon to be prior profession, um, it's my other profession that I like to talk about that has led up to my podcast and to my radio program that I'm looking forward to kind of dabbling more on a national level and put all my years of experience, you know, to be able to, to play uh, within the political markets of California, Nevada. I'm not sure if I'll ever play in my home state of Texas for the most part. I, I do have to have a place where I can just kind of kick back, relax. The politics of Nashville are, are left and right. You know, anytime you, you break into the entertainment industry, kind of like what we're doing here on your show today, whether it be a podcast or um, radio broadcast, or in my case, the music industry itself, uh, the, 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 the political politics of that, you have to be engaged because of the various organizations that, that protect your interest in the industries. But I'm just ready for this election to be over, to be honest, my friend. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm looking forward to just be done. Um, let's just get it done. Call it so that we can move on as a nation one way or the other. And regardless, I, I, this is the thought that I really want, want to imprint onto the minds of your audience, is that no matter who wins, America is still going to go forward. Whoever wins, the life in America is just going to be altered or maintained. But it's not going to be the proverbial end of the world no matter who wins. It's not going to be a moment of revelations, no matter who wins. Because we are Americans, and we have a long history of correcting our mistakes. And four years from now, if we believe we've made a mistake as American voters, we will correct it like mm -hmm. we always do. Mm -hmm. So all the individuals out there that say they want to get on an airplane and fly out, well, go ahead, fly out. To Bruce Springsteen, you know, that'd be about the only ticket I'll ever buy. Let me buy your ticket to leave America. You know, unlike Chris Christie, I will never buy a ticket to see you. I barely keep the CDs that I've bought over the years. But let me be the first one to buy the first ticket, and that would be your ticket up out of here. Go. Just go. And I say that on both sides. Individuals out there that are saying that, well, if President Biden wins, I'm going to leave the country, then go. Go. Meantime, people like us will stay here, work within the nation, do what we do to keep building America. We're either going to make America greater, or four years from now, we're going to have to say it's time to make America great again. But that's where we are. Exactly. Exactly. And we, we as a country... Uh, well, we, we reinvent ourselves all the time and we realize our mistakes and we admit our mistakes and we move on. And we, I agree, we're, we're, not, we're not going anywhere. Um, I heard one of the, the TV preachers said something about if Trump doesn't get elected, there's going to be this and the, that and it's chaos and it's the end of the world and in essence, the end times. And 
I mean, who am I to say, but I don't think so. I, I agree just what you're saying. We're going to move on. If, if What's going to happen is going to happen. Let's get, let, let's get COVID done. Let's get back to normal. Let's just, let's get schools back. Let's get jobs back. Let's get, if we're going to do a stimulus, let's do a stimulus. If we're not, let's not. Let's, I mean, I've got friends that are in financial situations right now that, that, you know, I, I, I have a, a good high school friend that's about to lose her house in, in Florida. And, you know, I mean, yeah. every, everybody has friends and everybody knows somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody. And I mean, if we're going to do something, let's do it. Yeah. And let's, you know, I think, I think Lindsay's going to go home. I think, I don't think Mitch will ever go anywhere. And again, all kinds of different things, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. I agree with you. I'm going to watch, start watching Nevada a whole lot closer because having been there for 15 years and then, and then moving to here, but, but we've got, we've got to debate tomorrow night, which we're going to check out. Do you think he's really going to be able to handle? And I, I, when I say he, I mean, president Trump, you know, cause they're talking about the muting during the two minutes of, of uninterrupted quote unquote uninterrupted. Do you think he's going to be able to do that? Or you think he's going to be Trump? That's a silly question. I'm not trying to set you up, but what do you think? Well, I mean, I think he'll be able to handle it. I think that um, it's Trump's going to be fine. And Trump is going to do it the way the voters and his supporters want it done. Yeah. Um, I think Trump is going into this debate loaded for bear. Mm -hmm. I think that he was being a whole lot more patient in the beginning with Chris Wallace than what the whole media um, society out there is trying to portray. And I don't think he's going to mess around. I think he's going to come out. He's going to answer the questions, but I think also it's going to help him as well when Joe Biden is not allowed to interrupt him. And as far as I'm concerned, put a mute button for both candidates that they can mute the moderator when the moderator wants to interfere with the points that they want to make. Interesting. And yeah. the yeah. big mistake the moderators make is, is, is look, you're asking the question, the candidate in, in, in most debates, the candidate gets his two minutes, whatever he says, he gets to say, the moderator just doesn't need to interrupt the president or the vice president and say, well, that's not my question. That's not my question. That's not my question. Moderators just need to shut up, ask the question, let the president or the vice president answer, and then say, thank you, Mr. President, or thank you, Mr. Vice President. Same question to you, sir. Opposite. And then let the people decide whether or not you know, the president asked the question. But the moderators right now are trying to control. And that's not your job to control. These are your questions. The candidates either ask them in their two minutes, I'm sorry, answer them, or they don't. So really the, the problem is going to be the moderators trying to do interviews rather than moderate a discussion. Mm -hmm. And that respect needs to be given by the moderator to either candidate to answer the question and respond to the answer as the candidates deem, not how the moderator believes. I think it'll be interesting to, to see where it goes. The president has already voiced his 
not her, his dislike of the moderator, Kristen Welker, um, chief White House correspondent for NBC, um, and whatever happened the with, yeah. with um, uh, Leslie Stahl was 60 Minutes. There was some kind of a he left the stage there, whatever there's, you know, we're, we're going to see what's, what's coming up there. He, he's not a media. Well, he is a media person, but he's not a media person. He's um, it, it'll be interesting to see. And I agree with you. Just let them answer the questions and yeah, we'll, we'll see where it goes. That's one thing that I know you and I have talked about and I see you even doing it on, on your radio show as well is that, you and I are able to have a conversation where we let each other talk. And you even did that, you know, as, as late as last Friday on your program, I was listening. As I told you, I was sitting in the Walmart parking lot, um, had to take my daughter to Walmart to get her some glasses because the Labrador ate her glasses. And I was sitting there listening to the program and someone called in and you were letting them talk and they didn't hear any response from you. And they kind of prompted you back and you said, this is your time. Say what you what you want to say. And you're not interrupting people. And I, I try anyway, cause we have a little bit of delay, um, you know, with our, our satellite feed here a little bit, but just let the other person talk. And anyway, I digress, but let, this is so that America can get the views of what each candidate wants to say, not to see them argue. Although, yeah, people like to watch what goes on at a car wreck, but let them talk. I agree. <laughs> I've said so, enough. <laughs> I'm, and I'm not running for president. Yeah, debates traditionally have been opportunities for what you call sound bites and ads. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I mean, the president kind of knows this a little bit. And so back to your original question about President Donald Trump, how is he going to handle it? I think President Donald Trump is, he realizes no matter what, and I think most America realizes it, it's a two-on-one when it comes to these debates. These debates are highly partisan. They're two-on-one. And the questions are going to be around non-issues rather than real issues. And that's what candidates like to do is try to answer what they believe to be the issue so that they can get their soundbite and or they can get their advertisement. And uh, the president, I think the president understands this probably more so than ever. And the president knows you're going to have these moments, Kamala did it and Joe Biden did, these fake moments where they look into the camera at the people. They, they pull this playbook out of 1980. 1984, which is old and tired, and people laugh because everybody knows it's fake. The president doesn't do that. He doesn't look into the camera. He looks at his opponent or he looks at the moderator, and he's taking those individuals on. That's what's really cool. But the president does understand that, and I don't think the mute button is going to matter. I think President Donald Trump is going to talk over the mute if he believes that um, he's being hit or being treated unfairly. And I think most of us expect that. And I think most of us want that. And I think that's going to happen. I don't think the mute button is going to stop President Donald Trump at all. I, I think you're right. And there is a certain amount of entertainment value that's, that's to it, of course. And it, it, it'll be interesting for sure. And it'll be... 
Um, probably you'll have <gasps> some mention on it on your show on, on Friday. And I know we'll probably chat about a little about it uh, next week. And um, it's interesting to me over the years to see how the, the news cycle changes. I mean, I almost think it's gone to, we knew it went to a 24 hour news cycle. And now I think it's even less than that, that, you know, what happened last week, it was Amy Coney Barrett. And, and now that's kind of like, okay, we know this is going to happen. And this is how, you know, she's, she's going to be confirmed. I mean, that's, that's a, 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 a gimme, a no brainer. It's going to happen. Okay. But I think the the Democrats have now figured out that, okay, you're not going to beat that one. That's what's going to happen. Now you need to focus on what's, what, what are we, we got to focus on. And when I say we, I'm saying the Democrats need to focus on, okay, if we're going to flip the house, let's they're not flip the house, but flip the Senate. That's what we're going to have to do. Let's stay on point. But the, the thing changes. I mean, I, I was around when, and, and I, you probably were too, uh, you know, you you don't you you were probably around when uh, CNN was born, right? And if you weren't, I'm not meaning to offend you. <laughs> um, but you know everything changed. You know we had embedded reporters in with 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 military people, and we knew what was happening right now. And and you know Ted Turner when he 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 founded that that was a that was a thing. And of course I'm old enough to go back to you know Walter Cronkite and and Mike Wallace and Dan Rather and Tom Brokaw and all of those guys and, and Brian Williams before he, you know, made up his thing. And uh, anyway, again, I, I digress. You know, I remember you, you talk about CNN. I mean, I actually remember CNN being a little more conservative, being yes. a little more in the middle, actual pretty reporting. I used to watch uh, Chris Matthews when Chris Matthews used to, uh, take the approach on the 503 report, my program. In fact, I was a big uh, Joe Scarborough fan Mm -hmm. when he had his show Scarborough Country when he was on um, MSNBC and all of these networks. And I learned a lot from those guys being partisans on one way or the other, but being able to be objective. And I remember when those shows were objective and those individuals were objective and they said stuff that was truthful versus, you know, what, how far, you know, they, 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 they became, but that's, what's, what's, what's missing. And, and when you mentioned, when you mentioned, um, you know, my show last week, it, that's why we call it where America's voice is heard. And it's not where Andrew Wellborn's voice is heard. It's where my caller's voices is heard. And we don't take that approach as you, as you pointed out, I'm not there to Wellbornize you. I'm not there to debate your position. I'm there to, this is your chance. I let the callers, debate each other, which you heard. You heard the callers come in and debate each other and their points of view. That, that's what it's about more so than me as the moderator of the show. That's why I take the position for the moderator. She just needs to let them answer the question the way that they want to answer it, one way or the other, and then let the pundits, let the operatives, let the new pros in my former business get out there and point out, well, the president was too scared to answer it and he didn't answer it this way, or the vice president didn't answer it this way. And you know, he's scared of the, he totally got, let, let the pros get out there in the media, you know, do that debate. Don't mm-hmm. do it on stage mm-hmm. when so many people are just wanting to hear what both candidates have to say. I think that's the point I'm trying to drive home. Let, let's hear what the candidates have to say, and then let's have the analysis 
the pundits and and all of the those folks do that afterwards and they will be standing by and ready to do that absolutely but let's let's hear what the candidates have to say because that's the the pundits are not the ones that are running for office i want to hear what they have to say so that i can make my own decisions and obviously i voted already but still um i agree with you up to a point that you said before as well let's just get this over with let's just let's just move on yeah. and and get now here's an example Here's an example I want to give you. I mean, first of all, I think the president now owns the, I must say personally and professionally, I, I believe the president now owns the COVID debate. And that's kind of uh, put the Biden campaign back a little bit uh, since so much was vested in the COVID. Um, so what the moderator needs to do is just, rather than ask Mr. President, with over 200,000 people died, and millions and millions of people being exposed, both in America and the world, as a result of your failed action, what is your position on COVID? You don't need to do all that lead up into the question. Right. The question just needs to be, Mr. President, we all know the different points of views towards COVID. What is your current position and what is your plan to solve the issue? That's how the question needs to be asked, rather than, Rather than put the president on the defensive and what is a debatable point of view to where the, the president's got to spend the first minute defending against the attack within their question. That tactic needs to disappear in the moderator's questions. Does that make sense? It does. Absolutely. And we'll see how it goes. Um, lots of still great stuff to talk about. And even when this does wind up when we have uh after the election there's always stuff to talk about you're you're continuing on i'm going to continue on i had a friend say well after the election you're not going to have anything to talk about oh no 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 yeah, no no oh i you will <laughs> i i'm i'm 60 years old i'm going to be 61 the day after the election i i've had stuff to talk about for almost 61 years there's That's always funny. something to talk That's about funny. <laughs> so uh, absolutely oh uh, yeah. no so almost hey, time election to, outcomes just open up different, different avenues man i oh, mean yeah. it just opens up different avenues <laughs> no i i think it's great i think it's great well we're almost time to wrap up anything you want to add in before we before we send these folks on their way yeah you know folks uh I just, you know, keep your minds open, go to the polls. I'm pretty sure that most of your audience has already made determination. It's not a lot that we're going to say. Hopefully, hopefully we're giving some cool insight. I know I like to try to reveal the proverbial secrets of the business and it might not make sense. Hopefully it's interesting. But one of the things that we do, you know, we, we know the industry and the industry doesn't change. It's just that we have new professionals that come in and try to do new tactics and it's easy for old dog like me to recognize the new trick that's being tried, you know, being played upon people and the new trick in the playbook. And the question is always is whether or not that trick is going to work. And that's what I find very, very interesting, fascinating. Once I get past frustration, like most Americans, but now man, it's always great to be here. Um, I am going to send you an audio file at some point of our song born American pride. Uh, you can find us on andrewwellborn.com. Take a listen to it. Back out in the Nashville, uh, the beginning of 2021, the studios have opened back up. 
it's just a question of getting out to Nashville to finish um, this long-term project. I'm looking forward to releasing this album out there. Good old 90s country music, basically. And hopefully folks will like it. And I'm looking forward to, uh, like I said, man, I'm looking forward to this election being over with. And folks, uh, SierraDailyNews.com, you can just click on the highest rated if you don't catch us live. And there it is, the 503 report. And um, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to 2021, like most Americans. And um, let's get this election over with so that we can move on, pick up our lives, and go forward, my friend. Always a pleasure to be here. Thanks for always having me, man. And I'm looking forward to next week. Awesome, awesome. I totally agree. Couldn't have said it better. We are going to be listening to the 503 Report this and every Friday, 1215 West, 315 East. Ooh, that kind of sounded CNN-ish, huh? And SierraDailyNews.com. If you can't listen live, which I will be, uh, check it out on one of their repeats on Saturday and Sunday. We're glad you're here, Andrew. Thanks so much for coming on. Guys, we'll be right back with you. Andrew will be back with us next week. And stay tuned. Thank you for joining us today for the Papa Jeff's America program. The Papa Jeff's America program is recorded in Houston, Texas at OG Studios and is a production of the OG Radio Network. Check out more episodes of our podcast at PapaJeffUSA.com and please subscribe at subscribe.PapaJeffUSA.com or wherever you get your podcasts. We're on all the major platforms. Your home for Papa Jeff's America is our website at PapaJeffUSA.com. That's where you can check out more episodes of our podcast, check out the OG blog, contact us, and link to all of our social media. We want to hear from you. Your thoughts, comments, and suggestions are what make this program go. So you can send us an email on our website, or you can call or text us at 281-940-6980. Message and data rates may apply. Remember to wear a mask, stay home if you can, social distance if you can't stay home, wash your hands frequently, and take care of each other. And always, always, always practice. Disagree doesn't mean dislike. Thanks again for joining us. We're looking forward to seeing you next time when we continue the conversation, one podcast at a time.